this afternoon, we're going to have a, you know, the annual business meeting. If you can be there, be there. Uh, we need a, a quorum, number one. Uh, two, if you're, if, if you're not voting, that's okay. We still want you to be there. If you're not a member, we still love you to be there to, to, to know what's going on with the church. We're going to have our annual business meeting, and we're going to have a review of 2021. What did we do as a church? What are we looking forward to in 2022, right? So we're already a little bit into 2022. What can we do better? What, what opportunities may be available for us? We spoke uh, the last, well, this was over 10 messages. We talked about what it means about getting back to basics. How many remember we talked back to basics, right? The whole, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to call yourself a follower of Christ? And then to put those things into action. I want to talk about the catalyst for my message this morning. And it's the events that took place in my life in 2021. Uh, to be honest with you, it's been a message that's been on my heart since, uh, since September of last year. And while I've had a couple of opportunities to share bits and pieces with people, I'm really glad that I get to fully preach out what has been at the forefront of my mind and heart these last few months. So if you would, before we get into the Word, let's pray together. Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity I have to share your Word this morning. Lord, I thank you for our church family. Lord, I thank you for visitors. Lord, I thank you that those who are watching online and YouTube, Lord, those who have an opportunity to hear the word, Lord, I pray that it doesn't, we don't just hear it and leave it, but that it stays with us, that it stays in our hearts and our minds, that the Holy Spirit works through it, that it draws us near to you. Lord, I thank you that you are using uh, what I've gone through as a testimony for others. Lord, let us be fully aware of your grace in our lives and be willing to share the grace you show to us, to others. Lord, we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. The morning, uh, this morning, the message is entitled, Peace Be Still. And if I could, uh, Cindy, could you turn off the light up here just so that people can see this picture a little bit more clearly? I want to start this morning with the account we find in Mark chapter 4, and we're going to begin in verse 35. You're going to be very familiar with this story. Verse 35 says this, On that day when evening had come, he, that's Jesus, said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. Verse 37 says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling, or was nearly swamped. But he was in the storm, asleep on the cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we are perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind and the waves, and said, Quiet, peace, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely and he said to them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were filled with great fear, and they said to one another, who then is this? Who is this person that even wind and waves obey him? This account found in the book of Mark takes place on what is called the Sea of Galilee. The sea itself is actually a freshwater lake. 
that is inside of a valley. Now, uh, in 2019, I had the privilege and blessing to be in Israel and experience a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. So I was where this took place. Right, Doreen? Mike, you were there? Uh, you were, we were there. We were at this spot where this took place. So I want to show you just a few pictures from that time so you have a clear understanding of what was happening here in Mark chapter 4. So here we are in, uh, well, Tiberias, really. So uh, here's, what, here's what happened. This is Tiberias at night. Tiberias is right on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Okay, So here's what happens. We get there at night. This is really beautiful place. You can see we go up to, I go up to the balcony off of my room, and I take some pictures. And then in the morning, I see this. Go to the next slide. And it's this beautiful sunrise. I wake up. It's like 4.30 in the morning. I wake up, and the sunrise is coming up. And I go down, and I get some coffee. And uh, they, of course, super strong coffee. Bobby, do me a favor. Turn off all the lights. You guys promise not to sleep on me? Yes? Awesome. Praise the Lord. All right. So uh, if you can see this, okay. Uh, go to the next slide. Okay. So now here's what happens. So I go downstairs and I get a cup of coffee. And as I'm coming up, I'm going to go back to my room. I'm going to go back to the balcony and I'm going to take some more pictures. But here's the thing. Uh, I see caution tape. And you know me. Uh, I was curious because the caution tape was to the roof. And I thought, well, they must be doing something with the roof. So I kind of just went over the, you know, under the caution tape and uh, went up on the roof. And on the roof, nobody was there. It was just peaceful and quiet, right? And so I'm looking out over the roof, and I can see on once, and it was, I, I just, I was struck by the opposing perspectives of Tiberius. Because if you can't tell, over here, on this side is all resort. And on this side was slums and graveyards and just pretty dirty. And I was struck by the, it was all divided down by that highway there. And so I was just kind of struck by, man, this, this really beautiful scene and, and really beautiful as the sun is rising and, and, and there's some who are just enjoying life and, and taking it in and there's others who are just struggling and I just, I, and the Lord was speaking to me about those things during that time. And then, so I got, but I'm looking over the Sea of Galilee and I'm thinking, man, what are some of the things that happened here? What are some of the amazing things we see in Scripture that happened here? Go to the next slide. Later on that day, we get to go to the sea. We get on a boat. My, my group and I, we get on a boat, and it's very commercialized down there to where they get you on a boat, and, and you know, then they uh, play uh, worship music. That would be uh, like Hillsong-type music. And then, uh, and then they sell some things. <laughs> so they're merchants, and they, they do what they do. But we're on the boat, and we're there at night, and we're worshiping, and I'm with my group, and we're worshiping. It's amazing. And now it's at night, and the sun is going down. And I don't know if you can tell. Go to the next slide. This is like as it's going down at night, and you can see the mountains. And so you're in this valley, and, and, and there's mountains all around you. And you can see, and then go to the next one. 
And this is it at night. So I'm there. This is me taking the picture from the Sea of Galilee. I'm there at night, and now you can see Tiberius just all lit up. One of the things pointed out to us by our guide was made, uh, what he made very clear was that the area, because it's surrounded by mountains, the weather shifts very, very rapidly. So it shifts so rapidly, right? Because the weather, everything is there. It can be a bright and sunny day and just, it just looks beautiful outside. And then all of a sudden, clouds come over the mountains. And all of a sudden, this great wind, this intense storm comes out of the mountains. And now you're stuck in it. And so imagine being out on the sea. Imagine being seeing the mountains around you. And it looks like a very nice day. And you're like, all right, master's got to send a boat. And we are... We are going to the other side. It's not a huge lake. It's not a huge sea. It's only 13 miles long. It's only 8 miles wide. But the storms can be incredibly intense. So we have Jesus and the disciples in a boat. Jesus had just spent quite a while ministering to the people and He was tired. So He goes to sleep in the back of the boat. And when they are traveling, the Bible says a great storm rises up and the disciples become afraid. Now, it's real simple. If you're following me in this story, you can clearly see the direction of the sermon, right? It's an analogy that's been preached on more times than I can count, likely by millions of preachers. Have you ever been in a storm? How many can say they've been in a storm? Has your life ever been overtaken in a sudden way by dark clouds and high winds? Did you ever feel that the storm was going to overtake your life? It's a good message. It's a, it's a great message. It's been fully preached in multiple ways about the truth of our lives that it's not always sunny days and nice weather. Right? How many know in our lives it's not always sunny? It's a message that continues to be relevant because Jesus tells us clearly in John 16.33 that in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. You go to a place that says, well, it's all sunshine and rainbows from here on out. And welcome to Christianity and just hold my hand. We're going to walk and sing songs together. That's not true Christianity. True Christianity calls us to suffering. Calls us to lay down our lives. In this world, you will have trouble. But Jesus says, fear not or take heart. I have overcome the world. The disciples are in the boat. The storm is raging. And there is Jesus sleeping. Uh, how many have seen the TV series, The Chosen? If you've seen The Chosen, uh, it's a very cool series. It depicts Jesus and his disciples in this very realistic way. Very well done. It's just getting into his ministry, and I really hope that at some point they depict this. I really hope that at some point they depict this, this in the series because I've and no doubt the rain could, I mean, the rain, the, the wind blowing, the rain is crashing, the boat is rocking, the disciples are panicking, and Jesus is sleeping. And I can just imagine in the scene where like Simon Peter and Andrew are like, you, you should wake up Jesus. And they're like, no, 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 you should wake up Jesus. And they're like, no, no, come on, man. Thomas, Thomas, get over there. Go wake him up, you know. And Thomas is like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm doubting. I'm doubting. Because that's what he does. Right? 
They get to Jesus. They wake him up. I wonder, I wonder if Jesus was annoyed. I kind of I kind of think about that. I kind of laugh about that a little bit. Probably with a tone of desperation, they say, Rabbi, Rabbi, do you not care? Now, sometimes we read the Bible, and sometimes, uh, how many know you can't just read the Bible, you have to read the Bible, right? We can't just go, well, you know, they 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 said, Jesus, please wake up. Not likely. Right? They just say, you know, Jesus, uh, if you wouldn't mind. You can see it's a little stormy outside. And it wasn't a drizzle, right? And so, I mean, think about how do people act when they become desperate? How do people act when they become desperate? Just, Jesus, uh, could you please? No, they start flipping out. How many have ever seen someone flip out? How many have ever been the one to flip out? Right? I can imagine. Simon, Peter, I bet you all of them just like, Jesus, come on! Jesus, wake up! They probably didn't kick him. I don't know. It's it's all speculation. Come on. But Jesus, wake up! There's a storm. We're we're all going to die here. I can imagine he was very tired. I can imagine he had been preaching. He was tired. He had been ministering to the people. He gets in the boat. He lays down. The storm starts. I bet you he probably knew the storm was going on. I bet you he was laying there with his eyes closed, be like, these yahoos are going to come wake me up any minute now. They get there, Rabbi, don't you care that we're dying? And we're not given the specifics, but I wonder if Jesus was just a little frustrated with them. Wondered if he was just maybe a little annoyed with them. Yes, there was wind in the waves, but hadn't they, they seen him cause the blind to see? Hadn't they already seen him cause the blind to see, the lame to walk? Even at this point in ministry, they had seen incredible miracles. But they were still scared by the storm. He is awakened by them. He sees the storm. He speaks the words that are so powerful that have echoed throughout history. Peace, be still. And the storm comes to an end. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Jesus questions. Why were you so worried? Why did they panic? Why did they doubt? Jesus Jesus challenges them and us with these questions. Why are you so afraid in your storm? Why are you so afraid in your chaos? Have you not seen me move in your lifetime time and time and time and time again? Why do you still have no faith? Do you trust me as the creator of the heavens to bring calm to the storms of your life? Do you trust me, not me, but do you trust Jesus to bring calm to your storm? It's something to think about. I don't know how long the storm had been raging before they woke Jesus up from his sleep, right? But I think it's fair to say it was a few minutes of chaos in which the panic began to set in. And if you understand panic, you know that when it sets in, 
it's hard to let loose. What happens when the storm in your life isn't just a few winds and waves? Isn't just a few drips of water on your head? What happens when the storm in your life doesn't last for a few minutes, but lasts for a few hours, maybe a few days? Maybe the storm in your life has been lasting for a few months or a few years. What happens when the storms of life keep going on in your life? Years ago, there's a very famous admiral in the Navy. His name was Hyman Rickover. He was extremely demanding of all those under his command, including the submarine captains. Whenever there was a new captain, he would give them a book or he would give them a gift. And so new captain, submarine, new captain, that's great. Here's a gift for you. This is a very nice gift. In it was a block of wood with an inscription on it. The inscription was a paraphrase of a poem by Winfred Garrison. And it reads these words. O God, thy sea is so great and my boat is so small. Not only did he give his submarine captains this, this block of wood, but then he also gifted U.S. presidents with the same thing. President Kennedy never took it off of his desk. Oh God, thy sea is so great, and my boat is so small. I think regardless of your political leanings, whatever they may be, I think that we as believers, as Christians, we can all hope and pray that whoever is in the office will lean on God in times of chaos and turmoil. Amen? We want whoever is in the office to be a follower of God. Oh God, thy sea is so great, my boat is so small, is simply an acknowledgement that ultimately Jesus can bring peace to whatever storm presents itself in our life. The end of the poem reads this. Thy world, O God, so fierce and eyes so frail, yet though its arrows threaten off to pierce my fragile mail, cities of refuge rise where dangers cease, sweet silences abound. And all is peace. You see, just like the disciples in the boat, there are times when the storms of your life come and the panic sets in and the world is so fierce and I am so frail and oh God, my boat is so small and your sea is so great. When I told you that 2021 was a catalyst for this message, I can pinpoint almost to the exact day that this storm came rolling into my life. I don't share this to gain sympathy. I share it simply as a testimony of how the Lord brought me through a storm in my life. But to be honest, I'll take the sympathy too if it's, if it's okay with you guys. Through July of 2021, the, the year had been uh, pretty strange. 
and we'll talk more about this this afternoon, but when Mike Schubert passed away, that was tough. It was unexpected. Bob Williams passed away shortly afterwards. To be honest, I was beginning to feel a growing pressure in myself that something needed to change. I'm just going to be very transparent this morning. I began to feel a pressure that something needed to change, and I got sick in July, and, and then into August, I had another issue with pancreatitis, and, and when I, the fear began to take over, the panic began to set in. I began to feel the panic and paranoia. I began to have panic attacks constantly. I began to have a paranoia about life and honestly about ministry. The panic attacks would set in and I felt unappreciated and frustrated. And after six years on the outside, I felt like I was still looking in. And I was really contemplating whether or not I was going to continue to serve as the pastor of this church. And I should note here that the feelings and frustrations were genuinely attacks from the enemy because for the most part, listen, we do feel loved and appreciated and accepted by this church family and this community. Now, I didn't have a plan. I didn't have an open door. I didn't have a God-given opportunity to do something elsewhere in ministry. I just had a panic and a desire to get out. Do something else. Do something without the pressure. Do something where you just, just enjoy time with your kids, enjoy time with your wife, and not worry. I just had a panic to get out. And I spoke with a few pastor friends about it. I spoke with a few mentors and told them what I was feeling and what I was contemplating. And then September came. And just when I thought, man, life is... Just uh, just going fantastic. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm saying that facetiously. I got COVID. And then I was admitted to the hospital. <laughs> if you haven't experienced this yet, please be grateful because being in the hospital with COVID is awful. It was as if I was in the middle of this huge storm in my life and the waves just kept crashing and crashing and crashing. And I remember laying in the hospital room and I couldn't eat and I was in pain and I was exhausted and, and because of COVID, I was isolated from everybody. And so being in the hospital stinks, but at least you can watch TV, right? And that's something. So you, I don't want to do that. I don't, want, I don't want to watch a Michigan game. I was sick. I had zero desire to watch anything. I just laid there, door closed, in the middle of my storm, and I wept, and I prayed, and I read the Bible, and I wept some more. And through frustrated tears, and through panic, as I was feeling like I was having a heart attack, I began to cry out, God, why is this happening to me? What is going on in my life? 
And I felt helpless as the wind and the waves just crashed against my boat. And then something shifted entirely. It was as if Jesus stood up in that room and commanded that sea, peace, be still. Because in that moment, in that room, I felt this genuine peace. I felt the Lord speak a few things to me. And one had to do with contentment. And the other had to do with trust in Him. Jesus is speaking in Matthew chapter 6 during the Sermon on the Mount, and He says this starting in verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. It's a a message of trust and faith. Paul then speaks to us in Philippians, starting in verse uh, Philippians chapter 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Listen to this. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer, with petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God. Say peace. The peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Then he says this in verse 10. He says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Listen to this. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. You see, I sat in that hospital room. I felt the Lord speak to me, and He brought specific things to my mind. So many times, how many know we put the, the, we take the pressures of life and, and we take pressure that we really don't need to and we put it on our shoulders? It can be small things to huge things. It can be the outcome of a national election. And the outcome of that election is on your shoulders, Bobby. You didn't pray hard enough. Or you prayed too hard. Whatever direction. I don't know. And we think, we, we take these things and we, we put them on our shoulders and we think, man, we are the be all end all. The outcome of the election, the healing or recovery of a friend or loved one, whether the church is growing or shrinking, what family members come to Jesus, whether or not we prayed hard enough or we prayed long enough for a number of situations. And I don't want you to hear me wrong this morning. Prayer can absolutely be effective in those areas, and we should pray for all those areas and more. Hear me clearly. But the truth is, God is the one doing the answering, not you and not me. Come on. 
prayer can absolutely be effective in those areas. Hey, listen, how many know, truthfully, you specifically praying sometimes is the catalyst for bringing breakthrough? I don't think anybody answered me that real well. How many know that sometimes you praying, you standing in the gap, you being in intercession for somebody is the catalyst that brings the breakthrough they need? It might bring calm to their storm, right? And so I'm not discounting prayer. I'm not discounting that in any way. But how many know it's God that's doing it and not us? We should make ourselves responsible for the prayer. But when we make ourselves responsible for the results, we are trying to be God. And that is not something he's called us to. Jesus promised us, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I like that. Because people say, well, I prayed for it. I'm going to get it. I say, stop that nonsense. John 14, 13. Whatever, I, whatever we ask in his name. One minister said this, if our motive is to glorify God and the results are within his will, that he will give us what we ask for. That means that situations will change and God will be glorified as a result. As I sat there, and I want to be very clear about this, I sat there in that hospital room. I was laying there in that bed isolated, alone, panicked until peace came on me. My entire situation changed when I felt God speak to me. I was still in the hospital. I was still dealing with COVID. I was still isolated. I was still in the middle of the room. The Holy Spirit ministered to me, and I came out of that with a refreshed spirit, content in his goodness and peace in my soul, ready to get back to the pulpit. Ready to get back to the ministry that God has called me to for this church. I don't know what storm you might be in right now. I know for me, the storm I was in, I needed God, I needed Jesus to stand up in my boat. Amen? I needed Jesus to stand up in the middle of that storm and say, peace, be still. Will you stand with me this morning? Maybe you are in this building right now. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're here and you're, you're watching online and you feel like you're in a boat. You feel like you're in a storm and you're saying, oh God, your sea is so great and my boat is so small. That's been the cry of your heart, and you said, I've just been in the middle of it. Can I tell you this morning, his sea is so great, but he is greater. Amen? His sea is so great, but he is greater. He's greater than your storm. He's greater than your pain. He's greater than your sickness. He is greater than your debt. He is greater than the troubles in your marriage. He is greater than the anxiety in your mind. And it is time, I believe, for you to hear the words, Peace be still. Can I ask, and we don't have any music and that's okay, but could you just close your eyes and bow your heads for a minute? And I'm going to ask if there is anybody here 
who was going through a storm. If there's anybody here who needs calm to come into their life, if there's anybody here who, who needs Jesus to stand up and say, peace, be still. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand? Lord, I call peace into their situations. Lord, let the storm come to an end. Let calm come to the situation. Lord, bring healing to the situation. Let your will be done and let it be done to glorify Jesus. Amen. Lord, I pray that each person who raised their hand, that anxiety would leave their mind, that frustration would leave their soul. Lord, I pray that you would just bring a gentleness. Lord, I thank you for bringing calm into my storm. Not just this last year, but so many other times in my life. Thank you for your continued faithfulness. Thank you for your comfort and for your peace this morning. Holy Spirit, thank you for ministering to us as a body, as a family of believers. Lord, we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.